98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Five o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show. We will talk about the Cardinals' next opponent, the Rams. Kind of give you our first look at them in just a moment. Before we do, Gambo broke some news during that last segment about the Coyotes bringing back one of their own. Yeah, Barrett Hayton, who was the fifth overall pick in the 2018 draft, decided a two-year deal with the Yotes. He had 10 goals, 14 assists last year for Arizona. He's 22 years old. He played in 60 games. Uh, he's a center. They really like him. He was on the uh, gold medal team, winning team for Team Canada at the uh, World Junior Championships. So this is a player that Terigny really likes. They get him on a two-year deal. Uh, about $1.8 million, $1.9 million per year, but they got a two-year deal done with Barrett Hayden. All right, good. That uh, news is out there now. Gamble's got it on his social media channels. We've got a uh, story written up about it at ArizonaSports.com. In fact, from that information as well. So, Barrett Hayton, two-year contract, the fifth overall pick back in 2018. That deal is done. Yes. Coyotes are one and or the Coyotes. The Cardinals are one and one, and this three-game gauntlet to start the season, wraps up this Sunday with a game against the Rams, and, and I might have misspoke a little bit when we were going into this segment at the end of the last one. Clearly, the toughest part of the gauntlet was the Kansas City Chiefs and was always going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to learn maybe a lot more about the Cardinals and how they deal with the Rams on Sunday than we are against any of the three teams that they're playing. The Rams are their nemesis. The Rams are the mountain that they've been unable to get to the top of for the most part, save for for one game last year in Los Angeles when they were able to beat them. It's a, it's always been a bad matchup for Cliff Kingsbury. It's always been a great matchup for Sean McVay. And if the Cardinals can come out of this three-game stretch against the Chiefs and the Raiders and the Rams with a 2-1 and one record, I think you're going to see all sorts of different levels of optimism as far as what the Cardinals can be this year, because that's a pretty impressive record coming off of a stretch like that. Start There's no the question. Yeah, and then you were all, you know, we were panicking at one point. Look, I never felt like they were going to start. They're too good of a football team to, like, lose four games. So I never felt like, oh, they're going to go 0-4. But after they lost to that Kansas City game and the way they played, there were a lot of people that were worried about it, you know? Like, boy, how are they going to start? I mean, are they going to start 1-3? Could they be 2 We talked about 2-2. Two and two. Now do you got that one game out of the way, two and two. Not that it's a given. I mean, any given Sunday, right? Sure. You, um, but you feel good about them being at least two and two. Now, if they can beat the Rams, who have not played well so far this year, and it seemed to have some some real issues, some real issues. Uh, if they can win that game, then you pop. You know, probably talking about the possibility of going three and one. If you can follow that up with a win against Carolina, that would then put you in discussions to be everybody. Four games in is about a quarter of the season. Yes, um, it used to be exactly. Exactly a quarter of the season, they had an extra game. So, but it will put people. But everybody will be talking about the Cardinals' chances of winning the NFC West if they come through this gauntlet and they're three and one. Yeah, and and I mean, look, the, the Rams are tough. The Rams are the defending Super Bowl champs. The, as I mentioned, this is the, the the Cardinals. You know, have not beaten the Rams at home. When they've been in L.A., right? I mean, they, they, the last incredible. time they beat the Rams at home, it's they really were incredible. the St. Louis Rams, not the Los Angeles Rams. Right? It's been that long. And, of course, we all remember what happened in January in the playoffs between these two teams. There's nothing that can happen on Sunday to take that stain out. That stain is set in. I don't care how many times you throw the shirt into the washer, it, it's not coming out. That was an embarrassing day. If you beat them this week... 
you kind of send a message to them and send a message to yourself that you are capable this year of winning the division. And I don't think a lot of people thought the Cardinals were capable of winning the division this I, year. I agree. You know, but if you if you beat them this week, it's it's kind of like a hey, I know you kind of forgot about us over here because you kicked our ass as badly as you did in January. We can win this division from you this year, and you're right. The Rams, two games in, there's some question marks about them. They haven't played great in their games. The Cardinals haven't played great either, and you talk about that sense of panic. Man, at halftime of that Raiders game, I was thinking this might be one of the worst football teams in the NFL. To think that we went from that to could they win the division to talking about going three and one in their it's first so hard four to games. judge after a first few games. It, sure it really is. is. It's uh, it's almost unfair, but we have to do it. I mean, we that's what we do. But you know, and everybody does. But it's really unfair to kind of like you you said the Giants are two and zero. Oh. The Giants are probably not going to be a playoff team. Okay, they're probably not. Um, you know, at one and one right now. I feel that's a good win on the road against the Raiders. Their dominance on the road is just mind-boggling to me. It's just incredible how how well they play uh, on the road. But here's where the division opponent that's kicked your ass for a long time, but they're not playing well. Matthew Stafford's throwing a lot of interceptions. Sure he takes a lot of chances. He's got five interceptions right now. Nobody's got more picks since 2021 than him. He's always been that guy. And, you know, if you can take advantage of that, and the fact that their offensive line is not the same and their pass rush is not the same. Look, they're still a really good team, but they're not, you know, they're not the same team that won the Super Bowl last yeah, year. Yeah, and they're not the same team that beat the Cardinals as badly as they did in the playoffs. And and you, you ask around, and a lot of people will say they really miss Vaughn Miller and they really miss OBJ. And while they were good before they got those guys, that those guys were the ones that made them great. Now, maybe they get back OBJ before the end of the season. All right. Maybe that happens. But missing those two guys and not, you know, Andrew Whitworth, who was a stalwart on that offensive line for all of those years, it's it's kind of thrown their chemistry off a little bit. They're not the same football team. You're right. It all starts with Stafford. He denies that the injury is affecting him. And yet he's, you know, all the interceptions last year has led into all the interceptions this year. They're beat to hell on the offensive line. They just lost their starting guard to a season ending injury. They're going to have to go with another offensive line combination. Their secondary is really beat up. Troy Hill, Kobe Durant, two guys, neither of whom might be available this week for the Cardinals, which means they might have to go with a rookie or a second year player in their secondary. They're vulnerable. I think if you look at you look at Edge where they they lost Von Miller and they got Leonard Floyd hasn't done anything for them. No, I've done absolutely nothing. To be honest, in two games. I almost forgot he was there. All right, he's, he's been done so nothing. quiet. I mean, he's been Chandler Jones like quiet. <laughs> he has been. They're vulnerable. They're beatable. They're not for the Cardinals. The Rams are and have always been the boogeyman. Which is what made beating them last year so cool, right? Like, we we were talking yesterday about, was the win against the Raiders two days ago, was that like the signature Cliff and Kyler win? I'd put it as the second. You had the Rams number one last Last year. Last year, the win over the Rams, I finally getting over that hump. That was the signature win. Yeah. That was the moment where, like, everything's possible with this team. If you can go there and beat them. Um, it's, it's, they're the boogeyman. They're the boogeyman for the Cardinals, and I feel like until you can consistently beat them, they're always going to be in your head a little bit if you're the Cardinals. They just occupy space there. They always have.
McVeigh's dominance over the Cardinals is almost legendary with, with what he's been able to do. You finally got the one last year and you played so well, but what happened the next time you played him? They kicked their ass and then the next then they kicked their ass. So, you know, it got, you know, they, it was, it, it was very short lived, the ability to enjoy that one victory over the Rams. But if you listen, everybody knows it to, where they want to get to. And that's first starts with winning the NFC West. That, that starts with winning this game. Like you've got like to win the West, you've got to beat the teams in your division. Like you have to. So that's why this game and I think the Cardinals, I, I hope that they're gonna play with a, just a newfound confidence after the way they played in the second half against the Raiders. Yeah, I hope so too. Something that I'm I'm just I'm looking at all the results between these two teams over the years and something that, that I I mean I hate to bring it up again, but I, I will. I mean, not only have the Rams beaten the Cardinals consistently over the last several years, they've thumped them. With the, oh, the average margin yeah, of victory? With the exception of the two regular season games last year, Cardinals won the first one, and they did it 37-20. Cardinals lost the second one only by 7, 30-23. But then the playoff game happened. And that playoff game has brought up all these old memories of how not only could you not beat the L.A. Rams, they destroyed you. Every time you played them, they, they humiliated you. I, I yeah, All of that stuff has got to be in their heads. And, and, and you're right. How does last week's win, how do they use that as a springboard for bigger and better things? We'll find out starting this week. They very well could propel you, like I've said, to bigger and better things. Because there is, you know, that, that, that continuity, that chemistry, everything you want to build with the team, that was all there. And plus just confidence. I mean, a lot of this game mentally, I mean, they got to feel really good about themselves after coming back and winning that one. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we haven't heard a lot of new information since last week about the Suns and owner Robert Sarver. That changed today. Another very prominent player with another very prominent platform spoke out. You'll hear what he said said next on the Burns and Gambo show. 987 FM Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. If you know a high school student with great character, we want to hear about him. How they make an impact on our community. Text the word character to 62620. Share their story. What's in it for them? How about a $10,000 scholarship from Parker and Sons at Arizona Sports? How cool is that? That is very cool. Text the word character to 62620 right now. So cool. And nominate somebody today. So also today, or maybe it was yesterday, uh, Draymond Green became the latest NBA high-profile individual to comment on the Robert Sarver situation. Now, uh, if you feel like you haven't heard anything about Robert Sarver since last Friday... It was quiet. It's not your imagination. It's been real quiet. Mm-hmm. Like the, the PayPal news, the, the NBA Players Association head reiterating her desire to see Robert Sarver removed from any and all decision-making capabilities for the rest of his... For the rest of his NBA life, um, that all happened on Friday, and nothing's happened since. Nothing happened over the weekend. No other sponsors backed out. No other minority owners came out nope. and, and jumped on the John Najafi bandwagon. He apparently hasn't been the Pied Piper yet. Instead, we're waiting. And media day for the Suns is one week from today, and and maybe that's the day it really comes to a head. Maybe something happens before that. I don't know. But it's been quiet. Not a lot's happened. And then it changed a little bit today. Draymond Green, on his own podcast, said that this report goes against everything the NBA stands for. For everything that the NBA stands against and stand for, this report that came out last week is the total opposite of everything that the NBA stands for. 
And so to think that someone like Robert Sarver that's acting in that manner can continue to represent us, that's Okay, strong. Even stronger was Green's suggestion that, you know what? Let's have the owners vote anyway. Let's find (laughs) out who's for this and who's against this so we know. I saw where Commissioner Silver said, I've taken the steps that I can take, the maximum penalty that I can hand out. I hand it out. And now it falls on, you know, in order for him to be kicked out as an owner of of a franchise and forced to sell, that that vote would fall on two-thirds of the other owners of these assets. And so what I would say is then why don't we pose a vote? Because that is definitely an, an offense that's probably grounds for force, being forced to sell. It's a 75% vote, so it would take three quarters. But I think that, you know, I, I, I think you've, you've crossed that bridge. I don't, Adam Silver has a one-year suspension and a $10 million fine. I don't think he's going to be like, hey, you know what, on second thought, because it just it makes him look even weaker and to say, you know what, I, 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 I want to have a vote now. The owners are in charge. He works for the owners. Yeah. There's no way that the owners woke up one day and read the newspapers or went online and said, oh, they suspended Sarber for a year. I didn't know that. No, they all knew what was going on. Okay, And they all knew and they all had a say in this. They didn't have enough. They didn't have enough Jews to go to a vote to try to get him out. And Adam Silver said as much. He said as much. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't have the right to take this guy's franchise away from him. Mm-hmm. It's a $10 million fine. And and it is a one-year full suspension. But we also knew at that time that there was going to be the court of public opinion. And we had said it very clear. Like, hey, this thing is not over because there might be some minority owners and some uh, sponsors and advertisers that have a say in this. Let's just see how this plays out. And that's what you have to see. I mean, if it picks up, it picked up steam for a few days and then it died down. Whether it picks up steam again, I don't know. We've heard from one owner, John Najafi, one minority owner. We haven't heard from any of the others. Nope. Nobody came out in support of him, but also nobody came out in support of Robert. So we've had nothing on that front. You had one sponsor that said they may, they're going to leave if he's here. You had another sponsor say we love our partnership with the Suns. We don't, you know, we don't like that type of behavior, but. They hadn't had any intention to leave. We've had nothing else over the last couple of days. So what Draymond's asking for, I just don't think he's going to get it. No, he's not. And, and, and you know what? I think I don't know if he's asking for it like he's actually trying to get it or if he's just asking for it to stir the pot a little bit. And, and what I mean by that is, I, does he really think that Adam Silver is going to, to your point, say, you know what? On second thought, let's have a vote. No, I don't think Draymond Green. I think what he's trying to say is what I want to know is what owners are preventing this from happening. Right. I would love to know in today's NBA what owners stand opposed to removing Robert Sarver. Let's identify those people. You know, let's yes. not, not not because I think in practicality we should have this vote and that vote would get him out. He's more aligned, more or less saying I want to know who are the owners who oppose removing Robert Sarver, just so we can know. You're not going to know. So we can use that against them at some so point. Why so why would the can... owners want... Oh, they wouldn't. They, why they would won't. they want to put that out there so that players could use it against no, them? No, of course. And they won't. And, so, and, and, that, and, that's why, and that's why Adam Silver never took it to a vote, because he knew he didn't have the votes, and the owners would never put themselves in that position because of something like that. Yeah, and the owners that, w- that, that are not in support of him losing his organization... 
certainly don't want to publicly come out there and say that because of the potential backlash from players. Yes. I'm not going to play for you. Like, yeah. So I just think that Adam Silver had a really good idea what he was doing and that it may not be over and he had to allow it to go to the court of public opinion to see what was going to happen. I am surprised that we haven't heard from another sponsor. I am surprised that we haven't heard from another minority owner. I don't know if that's going to change this week or not. We're kind of all standing guard waiting to see if something new happens. Certainly something will happen a week from today. I mean, there's that. There's zero to either, and, and it, it's impossible. Everybody's going to have to speak. Everybody's going to be in the room for media day. Mm. Everybody's going to be there, and even if they all choose collectively not to comment on it, that in itself is saying something. So something's going to happen with this one week from today. We'll see what that thing is. Something that might not happen now for the Suns, and I find this to be very disappointing, is they might not get Boyan Bogdanovich on their roster for the upcoming season. Tell us. What you know about that? I think that from what I'm hearing, it's more, and I'm not going to say never, but it's unlikely that the Suns are going to get him. They're definitely not the leader in the clubhouse, but there also haven't been the, the type of offers um, that could get a deal done right now. It's very possible that they hang on to him and maybe trade him at the deadline if they don't get what they want for him. So uh, teams seem to be reluctant because he's on a, you know, he's got one year left on his deal. It's for a lot of money, um, you know, and and so I. Don't know that a deal is going to get done. If it does get done, I would just tell you that right now the Suns are the Suns are not close to getting a deal done for Boyan Bogdanovich. There have been discussions, there have been talks. I know for a fact Jake Crowder was mentioned as one of the players that would go back if they got a deal done. But I don't know that that enough is being offered to get Boyan Bogdanovich. So I say would say right now that I would lean towards it being unlikely that they're able to pull a deal for him. No, that's too bad. I want Bogdanovich here. I think you do too. Um, I, I I don't know the why, uh, but I would I, I think he's maybe not the missing piece. He's a missing piece. He's certainly somebody could help. That being said, what Brian Windhorst said yesterday about Jay Crowder, that the Suns have been in trade negotiations. A lot of them are centered around Jay Crowder. Just because the Bogdanovich deal doesn't happen doesn't mean the Suns can't be shopping Jay Crowder. Yes. Yeah. There are other players out there. There are other deals to be made. This is not just a Boyan Bogdanovich or bust kind of deal. There are certainly other guys out there. And I believe very much so between the Jay Crowder tweet and this report that the chances of Jay Crowder being on this roster when the regular season starts, I think are pretty slim. I think he's going to be somewhere else. It might well, not let me be tell Bogdanovich, you, yeah. but I think it's pretty slim that he's here. Uh, James Jones's philosophy is if you don't want to be here, we'll get you out of here. If you don't want to be here, then we don't want you. Like I'm not gonna. Have, so if a player goes to James Jones and says, "Look, I'm not happy. I want to. Be, I don't. I want to be." They'll trade you. Like they'll trade. They'll trade you. So I think the thing with Jay is, I think Jay's at the point where I pay. I played two years here. It does seem like you guys. Are, are, are going to go to Cam Johnson. He may end up being the starter. You've talked about you flirted with other players at my position. I've got one year left. I've got him in a lame duck situation. I'd rather go somewhere else. If that's the case, then they'll help facilitate that. They'll help facilitate it. So I've been as long talking- as it makes them better, I hope. As long as the piece they're bringing back is something mm-hmm. in pursuit of a championship and not just a deal to make Jay Crowder happy and get him out of town. Oh, no, I don't think that they would do that. Okay. I, think I just that want to make sure that, that yeah, we if, throw if it's that like, in there, hey, too. I'm not going to just trade you for that. I'm not going to trade you for nothing. I'm not going to trade you because you don't want to be here. i got to get something back Right, for but you. they're going to look to see if they can facilitate a trade for a guy that's not happy. 
Do want to remind you, you can, as always, text us your thoughts, the FanDuel text line. It's open for you right now. It's 620-620. And when we come back, Isaiah Simmons goes from wearing the green dot in week one to 15 snaps in week two. What does that tell us about Isaiah Simmons, and what does he need to do to fix that? That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. I would say he just had his best week of practice. I think um, after last week, it was an eye-opener, and, and he got back to the basics and was focused and, and studied and, and worked really hard at practice and came out and played at a high level um, for the things we asked him to do. And, and obviously the two plays at the end were, were huge plays and, and really helped us win the game. Cliff Kingsbury talking about Isaiah Simmons, who, you know, in I don't want to say lost in the win because it hasn't been lost at all. It's It's been talked about quite a bit. We're all just trying to decide cipher I think what's next with Isaiah Simmons and what's next with the Arizona Cardinals because this is a there's a lot of moving parts to the situation and we're all trying to figure out how a player can go from wearing a Mm -hmm. green dot and be the signal caller in week one to a guy only getting 15 snaps in week two and yet being on the field for the game's most important play. It's very likely that they were just sending a message to Isaiah Simmons. Well, it sounds very like. Very likely is just it was a message and you got to prepare better. You yep. got to practice better. He stepped up and I think that he will be back to his normal reps in this game against the Rams. So I would expect that that was a, you know, listen, you just got to, you got to prepare better. You got to practice harder. You got to be ready. Like, you know, so I think that was more of a message sent than anything else. And that I would expect that his snaps go up against the Rams. And it wasn't hard to figure that out, parsing through Cliff Kingsbury's words. I mean, it really, yesterday, Cliff Kingsbury was asked this question, hey, you're moving Simmons all around. He's wearing the green dot. Now he's only getting 15 snaps. Are are you going to give Isaiah Simmons whiplash? And Kingsbury's like, he's giving us whiplash. I think he's giving us whiplash, I would say. You know, like it's, he can be as good as he wants. I'll say that. And he knows that. He knows that's how we feel about him. We've we've addressed it many times. I think um, it's a commitment to football all day, every day, and, and being the best possible player you can be. And you see the flashes. And I think if he can do that consistently day in, day out, the sky's the limit. And I, I think that's how we've all felt since he's got here. So that was a big step in the right direction. And I hope it continues. Everything about that 25-second soundbite. Dude, you got to try harder. Yeah. When you, I mean, everything. Everything about it. You, you're, you're, you're giving us whiplash. You're, you, know, you can be great. You can be as great as you want to be in this game. You've just got to be consistent in your effort. You've got to live, eat, breathe, sleep. Sleep football. You got to come ready to work every single day, and and obviously that Kansas City Chiefs game exposed Isaiah Simmons, exposed his lack of readiness for that job. Yeah, and so they punished him. I mean, there's just no way to I look at it. They that punished him for that. I think that that's probably what happened. Is that it was just a message. You're not going to play as much. Like if you you got to prepare, you got to work hard, you got to do everything you can. And if you don't, you're not. You know, we're going to take reps away from you. Yeah. It's like a, like a, almost like a punishment, right? We're going to take rep. But he went out there, he stepped up, and I think he earned the the spot back. And that yeah. I would expect against the Rams. Totally expect against the Rams that that snap count's going to go right back up to where where they want it to be. I hope you're right because as we've chronicled. 
countless times on this show, all right? This is the biggest of big years for Isaiah Simmons. This is the biggest of big years for the Cardinals and Isaiah Simmons to figure out what they've got. You get to the end of this year, and you still don't have a clue in Isaiah Simmons and what role he's going to play for you. Now we go through the dance of, do we pick up his fifth-year option in the spring? Do we run the risk of having the guy walk like Hassan Reddick after four years? Do we give him the fifth year, even though he hasn't earned it? You don't want to mess with any no. of that of the card. You don't want to deal with a minute of that drama in the offseason. You want to, if, if nothing else, you want to get to the end of the year and go, okay, well, we weren't as good as a team as we thought we were going to be, but damn, Isaiah Simmons was great, and he's a keeper, and we want to make sure he's a part of this program for years to come. You, you've, you, I'm not saying that's more important than winning, but you've got to know about Isaiah Simmons. He's the eighth pick in the draft from two years ago. He's supposed to be an elite player. He needs to arrive at that destination this year. It needs to happen now. And if you've got questions about his motor... You better get that figured out in a big hurry. Well, I think that there's a possibility that maybe a homework club. No, I'm teasing. No, I, I, I think it's. I don't think it's the motor. I think that when he goes out there, he plays. It's. It's. I don't think it's the motor. I don't think that they're it's the questioning. Prep. It's the prep. It's the. It's, it's, the, it's the being professional. It's. It's preparing better. It's doing everything you can to make sure you're ready for that next okay. game. I mean, it's more. It's not when they when he gets you're out right. there, Maybe he's going to play. Was the wrong. Maybe motor yeah. was the wrong word. It, it's, I don't think they question that. I just think that they they, you know, for whatever reason, look, they want to send messages to some of these young kids. Okay, because that's what you have to do. Like it's a. There's a lot of young players on this. Team and you know you sometimes you may have to make an example out of somebody. If you don't do things the way we expect you to do things, you're going to get your playing time cut. Nobody wants that playing time cut. No, and, and nobody can sit there and argue that they're a better defense with nothing against Tanner Vallejo. He's good. I like him, but they're they're not a better defense with him out there or with Ben Neiman out there or with you know some of the other options they had. No. Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons brings a level of athleticism and physicality to the equation that those other guys just can't. He just needs needs to be out there on the field. Okay, well we'll see we'll see how that goes and, and frankly I'm looking forward to hearing from Vance Joseph on the subject. You know, because I mean remember Vance a week ago, last Thursday, Vance was asked a lot of questions about Isaiah Simmons and his basic answer was, look guys, it wasn't just all Isaiah Simmons' fault. And yet you look at the snap counts and it's pretty easy to think that it was, in fact, all Isaiah Simmons' fault. No, I'm, I'm being dead serious when I say that. You go from wearing the green dots of 15 snaps, who else am I supposed to blame? You know, who else am I supposed to say is responsible for the lack of communication defensively against Kansas City? I, there's, you're telling me whose fault it is. You're showing me whose fault it is, right? I'll be curious to see what Vance has to say Look, about that. Look, with these that. young kids, it's real simple, man. You, there's a lot of money to be made in this league. And if you want to put, you want, if you want to put your heart and soul into it and you're a good player, you can make it. And if you don't, you're probably not going to. Yeah. And whatever the message it was to Isaiah Simmons, hopefully he gets it, but I would expect he goes right back to the highest snap count this week. There was also a transaction today for the Cardinals. And we're trying to, in some part, figure out what it means. We think we have most of it in front of us, but we want to share it with you. Devon Kennard, who spent the first two games on the practice squad and then was getting elevated every single weekend to the regular squad, that all was taken away from him today. They announced today they've signed Kennard to the active roster, so he's no longer bouncing back and forth between the practice squad and the and the regular squad. Wide receiver Andre Bacellia was waived in a corresponding move. Now, I read into that 
that they think by waving the wide receiver, they must feel good about Andy Isabella or Rondale Moore coming back yeah, this week. Yeah, that's not the case. That's not the no. case. No, they still don't know. Trayvon Mullen is going to play this week from what I'm hearing. But I don't think the Kennard move had anything to do with the the wide receivers. I don't think that had anything to do with the well, wide receivers. And now they the- just At this point, it's still to be determined whether those guys are going to play or not. But I do uh, feel good in telling everybody I expect that Trayvon Mullen's going to play. Oh, Trayvon Mullen. I'm sorry, Trayvon we're talking about wide receivers. Yeah, yeah. No, I right. I know. I said I feel I I, I don't think that the Devon Kennard decision had anything to do with the wide receivers. I can't tell you whether either of those wide receivers are going to be are going to play this week. Right now, it's still to be determined. Unlike Trayvon Mullen, the okay. cornerback who I can say I feel really good to tell okay. you that, that okay. he's going to play. Okay, yeah, and that's good. They could use Trayvon Mullen. They could use all the help they can get back there, though they did a pretty good job against Devontae Adams and the Vegas Raiders this past weekend. Um, and and I, what I, was, I guess what I was thinking when you said that was, I guess, worst case scenario Pacellia clears waivers, you can put him back on the practice squad, yes. and if you need him this weekend, you could bring him back up. Yes. If worse comes to worse and you had to do something like that, you probably could do something like that. Yeah, there's probably a reason Kennard uh, got elevated, but I don't think it has anything to do with the wide receivers. You can win tickets to see ASU take on Utah this Saturday at Sun Devil Stadium. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com to enter. Speaking of ASU, their interim head coach has quite the task ahead of him, but he's already got one win. It's a metaphorical one, not an actual one, but he sure did do a good job yesterday at that press conference. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM Arizona's Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. What's on tonight? Diamondbacks baseball is on tonight. It's a 7-10 first pitch. It's the second part of a doubleheader, which is why we're... um, yeah, which we've got the game on late. No, I was just thinking, just thinking why to myself, we're it's why not we're doing D-backs on deck right we're now. We're not doing bonus burns in Gambo. No Normally bonus. we would for a 7-10 game, uh, but because it's a doubleheader, I, it, there's some broadcast. I don't know what the rules are exactly. We're not doing bonus burns in Gambo tonight, even though it's a 7-10 first pitch. I will tell you, earlier today, Diamondbacks had a 5-1 lead going into the 8th and loss. They were actually as bad as that bullpen's been this year. Yes. That's been bad. Most losses in baseball. That bullpen. The Diamondbacks were 27-0 and this year when leading by at least four runs after seven innings. The Dodgers changed all that today. Yes. It was as bad as that bullpen's been. It hasn't been as bad loss? as it was today. I think it's the 36th loss by the bullpen. I'm going to double check there. 36, yep. 36? They now lead all of baseball in losses with 36. Nobody's got more losses with the bullpen than they do. So 36 losses, they've lost 80 total. So even if a third of those losses, right? Even if 10, 12 of those losses are wins, you've got a 500 baseball team. You've got a 500 baseball team. How do you if fix it? If even one third of your bullpen losses turn into wins, how do you fix it? I I, that's it's I Mike Kazin's kryptonite. It really is. He's a hell of a drafter. He is a hell of a drafter. Yeah. But yeah. his kryptonite is that damn bullpen. It's got the feel of a let's just start over. Like let's just blow it up. Blow it up. I agree. Bring in a bunch of different guys. And You're see all if we gone. Do a different mix. Do <laughs> <laughs> that rule in poker where I can yeah. keep one card and give four back. I'm giving them all back. Right. I'm changing the rules. I want a brand new hand. 
I don't know. I don't know what they do. Yeah, when the last game of the season is over, just everybody that's in the bullpen, don't let them back into the clubhouse. <laughs> just have all their bags outside the clubhouse. The and door, just yeah, The door's locked. Yeah. Yesterday, I don't know how many games Sean Aguano is going to win as the head coach of ASU football. Yesterday, he absolutely slayed that press conference. The last three games were, were a preseason. This is where it all counts now, these next nine games. And so it's we are at 0-0. Zero, zero. And we are ready to play um, Arizona State football. And, and I, I'm here to inspire these kids to play that. And, and uh, I think we're, we're ready. So looking back at those three games will do us no good. I think we're going to look forward. Um, this transition ha- has been hard, and, and it's been 24 hours. But re- in reality, we got to get ready to go. Yeah, I mean, everybody who was there in attendance yesterday, I watched it on YouTube this morning. The passion, the love, the, the oh, he teared up a couple of times. I mean, it was all on display yesterday yeah. in a great way. The, the, the appreciation mm-hmm. he has that he's been given this opportunity. I, again, I don't know what kind of success he's going to have because everything about this job, man, is is pushing a giant boulder up a mountain. I mean, there's just so many things he's got to work against to succeed this year at ASU. Let's give him a chance to see what he does. I, I, I can't wait. And especially if he's able to win one of these upcoming three games, I guarantee you we're in here that Monday talking about, hey, could the Sun Devils have found their guy Almost accidentally, if they win even just one of these next three games, it would have to we be. We will have that conversation. Yeah, but it will have to be how he does over the course of the whole season, not just the one win. Listen, I mean, listen. I know my wife got a good grade in her government class when you know he was her teacher. I mean, so you're biased. That's why you like I'm him. Biased. She's a she's a channel wolf, man. Come Are on. You saying your wife didn't get good grades, so this was like uh, a rare thing. No, unlike me, my wife is actually pretty. She was pretty smart. <laughs> I was going to say, I, it or not. I think Chelsea got pretty good grades, no matter who the teacher yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she had it all. Um, I, I listen. I, I'm excited to see what he does. I'm excited to see the players be able to play free now and not have to worry about this. I mean, this was hanging over their heads, and I think that they wanted to get through the season with Herm because the investigation was taking a long time, and you didn't want to, have to go out there and hire a coach while all this was going on. They thought they could eke out one final year and have Herm retire on his own. But after the loss to Eastern Michigan, and I told you immediately, like I knew he wasn't going to coach the next game. You can't lose to Eastern Michigan the way they did and have him return as the coach. So this allows the players. To play freely, and maybe you know, and maybe they, they will. Maybe they will play better. Maybe they will find a way to get uh, you know a win against one of these teams. And of course, you're right. We're not going to judge him until the end of the season. No one's going to decide after these next three games whether he gets the job. But as often as our job, we kind of have to judge these things in real time, right? And in real time, the the, the next three games, you're you're it's home against Utah. At USC, home against Washington. All those teams are ranked. The Sun Devils will not be expected to win any of them. And in real time, as we evaluate this program and and Coach Iguano and his ability to be that permanent head coach maybe one day, if he's able to beat one of those teams... I promise you, we'll come in here on Monday and we'll be singing his praises and we'll be asking the question. We won't know the answer until the end of the yeah, season. Yeah. Um, it, it would at least earn the right to be in the conversation. Now they have to do a search anyway. You know, they have to do a search anyway. I mean, you want to you want to do that search and then you know because you want to see it. You want to interview five or six or seven people and find out if there's somebody that you feel is better. If he does a good job, then he should at least be considered. He should be considered for for the job. We've had plenty of interim coaches, Jay Trian. 
Mariano was an interim coach, you know, for, uh, uh, and then how about, um, you know, who was it before Rob Evans did a great job for ASU after Don Newman. Don Newman. Don Newman at ASU oh, did a, a great for, job. Yeah, Don Newman. Did a Newman, great yeah. job. So we've seen interim coaches come in here and do well in certain spots. Now, Don Newman didn't get the job. Um, Jay Triano didn't get the job. Most of the time, the interim guy doesn't get it, you know? So, but let's see how he does. Give him a fair shake and let, let's see if he can get this thing headed in the right direction. Yeah, and, and a start would be just playing with a little more energy and effort. Effort and focus than we saw against Eastern Michigan. Listen, here's the deal. And you don't have to work very hard to get better than that because no. that was just terrible. The Herm Edwards that had all that energy and passion, you know, three, four years ago when it, when they hired him, like the, he's gotten older. Like it, it's not there. That same energy and passion wasn't there. I think, you know, I don't think it was just his age, though, that beat it out of him. I'm sure. Oh, I think it was everything. The investigation. The circumstances, the investigation, the fact that five of his assistants got let go and everybody transferred. That. You read the Doug Howler piece on The Athletic, yeah, I did. right? Yeah, yeah. And Doug, Doug Howler does just an amazing job. And, you know, a lot of that was just, you know, he just didn't, like, he didn't get to know all the rules. So he was, he didn't, he had, it was a the NFL model. He was the CEO and everybody else was going to take care of everything. And unfortunately, that doesn't work because you are ultimately in charge yes. of your program. Yeah, and it doesn't work when you do something like that. No, I mean, I'm sure his age had something to do with it, but but everything, the totality of the, the situation he was dealing with, and, and Sean Aguano kind of has to deal with the same thing. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, the, the talent that he's got there, he's got to figure out a way to win with what he's got. We'll see. And we'll see where his name ranks when it comes to the search. We'll see what names come up for the search. Uh, I know the Oregon offensive coordinator is an ASU guy, a local guy. His name has been mentioned. Would he take the job with the uncertainty about the AD, with the uncertainty about the investigation? I I don't know. That's going to be the biggest problem they have, I think, in finding their next permanent head coach. They're just not going to know. That's going to do it for us. We are out of here here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're going to see you tomorrow. Straight up 2 o'clock here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.